Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. The gospel lesson for this morning comes from John, the eighth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. And Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying you will be made free? And Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Here ends our gospel lesson. Please be seated. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Recently, I have been studying the history of the Crusades. Yeah, fun research, right? (laughs) Now, part of my motivation uh, is to learn more about the history and theology of battling for the Holy Land in the name of our Lord. My motivation was because my alma mater's mascot, which we recently changed, uh, the the debate was going on for decades, and we recently changed it from the Valpo Crusaders uh, to the Valpo Beacons. Now, Beacons, right. (laughs) Now, to be more informed on the debate, I thought that I should study up on the Crusader period of Christian history. After reading several books, listening to extensive podcast histories, and other research, I have discerned on theological grounds that it was right for the school to move away from celebrating Christian holy war, even though I had hoped that we would end up with a grittier mascot than beacons. (laughs) Who wants to fight for a lighthouse, right? Now, the Crusades had harmful effects on not only those targeted for Western Christian conquest, but it also had harmful effects uh, on Christianity itself. For that that reason, I no longer see rallying around symbols of this period of history as benign, but as an act of glossing over the theological mistakes of the church's past. And let me explain in a little bit more detail. The Crusades were first initiated by a call for military support from the Orthodox or Eastern Orthodox Catholic Christian Emperor in Constantinople, Alexius Komnenos I, and he put out the call for support from the West in fighting against Islamic Turks and recovering Eastern Christian territory in what is today uh, the nation of Turkey. Now, Pope Urban II took this request and used it to form a papal directive saying that God desired for the Holy Lands, and Jerusalem in particular, to be ruled over by Western Christians instead of Palestinian Muslims. 
He put out the call for this first crusade in the year 1096, and European nobles and Christian soldiers from all over Western Europe, the largest forces coming from France, headed east to besiege towns and territory. And on the first crusade, they were successful. And he made it all the way to besiege and conquer Jerusalem in 1099, but sadly mass massacring innocent Muslims, Jews, and even some Christians in the process. Now, Western Christians went on to rule over Jerusalem until 1187, when they suffered near total defeat at the Battle of Hattin against Saladin. Saladin but maintained a continued presence in Palestine and launched several more crusades to re reconquer Jerusalem until their final defeat at the Battle of Acre in 1291. Why would Western Christians risk life and limb for such a mission as taking up the cross and trying to fight foreign enemies in far distant lands? The cost of the Crusades was immense, nearly bankrupting even the wealthiest of nobles who answered this call to supposedly holy service. Why would they risk house and home literally taking stabs at far distant strangers in a far distant land with a far distant religion? And why, of all things, am I talking about this on Reformation Sunday? <laughs> Well, the main draw for Western Christians to embark on medieval ships from as far away as Finland to join these Christian conquests against the Eastern Mediterranean was, wait, was, the main motivation here was, wait for it, wait for it, indulgences. Indulgences. These soldiers were promised free admission to heaven by the church if they embarked to kill and conquer in the name of our Christian Lord. Now at the time, Christians were taught that there were heavy prices to pay in the form of penance, contrite living, and good works that people needed to do if they were to be welcomed in the kingdom of God. As part of the Pope's recruitment drives for these massive, dare I say even crazy expeditions, was to promise them that they need only embark on one of these missions to get right with God. And if men died in pursuit of Jerusalem, they would immediately be carted off to paradise for their troubles. Pretty good deal, huh? Indulgences were initially offered to departing soldiers as sort of a spiritual GI bill. But instead of getting to go to college, they got to go to heaven. As you might imagine, the issuance of, of indulgences was initially very freeing to the departing crusaders and their families. It freed them from fears of the unknown and gave the recipients and their loved ones assurances that even if the soldier died on one of these risky expeditions to the Middle East, they would be with Jesus in paradise. Over time, though, as we who celebrate the Reformation know all too well, the issuance and sale of indulgences became incredibly corrupt, terribly burdensome, 
and even damning to everyday believers who remained in Western Europe centuries later. Eventually, indulgences were used as a money-making scheme for churches and bishoprics who wanted to get rich and build huge cathedrals with the money that they squeezed from peasants, regardless of the peril that they imposed on Christians in the process. Over time, Jesus' face was obscured by the indulgence peddler's coffers and the theological reassurances that were first issued to anxious Christians departing for the Holy Lands became tools of exploitation and fear for later generations who truly believed that their loved ones would be denied entrance into heaven if they did not pay the church enough money. The Western Church of the late 1400s and early 1500s made people sorely afraid for their salvation. They hid the truth of the gospel, which reassures us that Jesus came to save us without any good work or righteousness required on our part. And then the church of that time seized on their fear in order to make money, typically bamboozling the poor into paying high percentages of their income to the church. It was a sad time in the history of Christianity that should be repented of still to this day by Roman Catholics and Protestants alike. Unlike the popes of this era, the, the Bible tells us that we are freed from fear of sin and death if we follow Jesus and nothing more. Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Of course, he says elsewhere in the Gospel of John, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So what Jesus is really saying is you will know me, and I will make you free. Jesus promises that he is the one to free and save us. More than that, as Jesus is the embodied truth that will save us, it is Christ and Christ alone who frees us from sin, death, and the devil. He did not say, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, but only if you go to church enough. Only if you live perfectly. Only if you work hard enough. Only if you follow the rules. Only if you put enough in the offering plate. On top of that, or sorry, Jesus does not need us to be good in order for him to be good to us. On top of that, we are only really freed if it is God in Jesus Christ who is the one granting the freedom. The truth of the freedom that we have in Christ alone is constantly obscured by those who want to control and limit the gospel. In the Middle Ages, I believe Pope Urban II did this when he said that Christian soldiers earned their salvation by killing in the name of the cross. We are not saved by the violence that we inflict upon others. 
We are only saved through the violence that Christ suffered on our behalf. When the church of Martin Luther's time tried to hide the truth of the gospel, that we are freed wholly and infinitely by God's grace through our faith in Jesus Christ, they, they tried to control and limit it out of a desire to control the finances and faith of everyday believers. They preached that Jesus saves, but only with the permission of the Pope. In our time, many Christians teach and preach that one must not drink, smoke, be gay, have sex outside of marriage, or do all sorts of things that they think only the faithless do. By teaching and preaching this, they end up saying that we are saved by Jesus through our faith. But in order to be saved through your faith, you must do this and this and this first, and not do that and that and that. I believe they teach works righteousness by another name. Still, the truth that frees us will not be constrained by human institutions, human shaming, or worldly forces. We are reassured that there is nothing God cannot forgive, nobody whom God does not love, nor are there any hoops that God makes us jump through before he will come and save us. It is God alone in Jesus Christ who saves us by his gracious love that knows no bounds. This can be a challenging truth to accept in a world where it feels like there are always strings attached. But in the economy of God, there is nothing asked of us but to accept that we are loved deeply and eternally. And when we do accept this truth, it is the most freeing thing of all creation. May the peace of God, <clears throat> I'm forgetting my blessing here. <laughs> May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www. RevSethNelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>